0: Oh Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it.
1: <laughs> that's that's more than enough for us, okay? So that's our new guest, Carlito. Manny. We got another podcast going on and, here. But not only that, guess where we are? We are at Skylux Studios, Skylux Roofing. Thank
2: you again, Mark, for having us in your studio thank and supporting you so the construction life and
1: the industry. Give him a call. You guys need some roofing, some cladding, some everything. Well, it's not
2: just roofing. It's flat roofing. Everything. It's shingle roofing. It's, all kinds it's of siding. Stuff. It's great. downspouts. Perfect.
1: We do have a very special guest here today. We have Matthew Jasenko from MRJ Financial Ooh. Solutions. So you can already guess that we're going to be talking all plumbing. <laughs> no, no. We are talking numbers, 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 wait, numbers. Wait, can right? I say it? Money, 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 money. <laughs> money. <laughs> So since we're talking numbers, I actually wanted to just talk a little bit about Canadian numbers. I, sorry to all the American listeners, but I, <laughs> I just want to let everybody know that basically you got a lot of Canadians here that are retiring, not mortgage free. And they're carrying debt to about eleven thousand two hundred dollars on average each wow. person. Wow! So you're retiring, don't have a job, and you got that right. So you just people are not setting up right. So they're not saving. Some percentage of the market is saving one hundred and eighty-four thousand for the retirement, and that's nineteen percent of it. But thirty percent of it is saving less than fifty thousand dollars. Wow! Yeah, that's, that's a that's not too that's much. That's scary, right? So that's we're talking really scary. it's 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 tremendously scary, right? So forty-three percent of women at age fifty-five, but they still don't have a retirement. Plan in place compared to 27% of that. Can, can I just
2: add something? Go ahead. I was speaking to someone at the job site today and he had said to me, unfortunately his, his grandmother passed and he was telling me that she was in a senior's home being taken care of and her bill costs of living there were $4,600 without buying anything extra. So you could just imagine how important it is numbers and yeah, to save yeah. like and those. invest
0: properly. Yeah, that's, that's inexpensive actually compared to what's out there
2: yeah.
1: Oh, yeah What's going on? I just want to share a few numbers here So 26% are still making car payments when they retire 7% have unpaid health expenses 7% owe money to a holiday expenses and vacation expenses wow. 6% still uh, haven't paid off their home rentals <whistles> At retirement So these are just scary numbers And funny enough is this is from 2012 Wow, wow. So I can't think that <laughs> it's gotten better I think it's gotten worse, but so Matthew, you are here to talk to us about a lot of stuff. It's over to you now, man, you take it on and just uh, speak to our listeners and tell us what we got to talk about when it comes to income tax and tax. And I guess one of the big things I want to find out from you is cash jobs. I want to, because we get a lot of guys who are asking about cash jobs. Yes, yes. We think it's evil, but we want to know what level of evil is it.
0: Well, thank you very much, uh, Manny, there. Cash jobs, everybody does it. Hey, it's a given, especially in construction industry there. You know, but the thing is, when you do the cash jobs, you have to keep your income consistent with, from, from year to year. Now, if you're, let's say you made 500000 one year and you made $100,000 next year, well, that's just a red, red flag for uh, the taxman coming audit at you. And, and all your suppliers too. When you, you do your cash jobs there, that's okay. Report whatever you want to, but just make sure it's consistent or within the ballpark of say, you know, rule of thumb, is twenty to $30,000 within you know, a few years. Because everything fluctuates from year to year. You can't have the same income from year to year. So it's guaranteed, guaranteed to fluctuate. So you're
1: saying that you, you don't mind contractors doing cash jobs? I don't mind at all. It, it's a fact of life. You know, everybody does it. Well, are they really saving by doing the cash jobs or like they're saving or, or isn't there a threat later on regarding our IRA and, like all of a sudden something's going to happen and then they, just, they find a discrepancy. How do you explain all that stuff? You mean CRA? Sorry, IRA. <laughs> <laughs> CRA. Bye, Sorry. Where are you? <laughs> <CRA>. <laughs> you just like stomped me there. I was like, IRA? <laughs> C- IRA. <laughs> Irish no, Republican no, no, Army. No, Army. No, yeah, no, I don't know no, why sure. I was there. Maybe St. <laughs> Patty's Day already this week. Um, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, but so I, I, I've never done a cash shop personally. I know a lot of guys do cash jobs. I just can't, uh, like my bookkeeper, my accountant freaks out at me when I actually tell them that a client want to do a cash job. So I didn't want to do it and I don't do it. Because the concern is how do you hide that, I guess. And I don't know if we want to teach people here how to hide that. Well, we should talk
2: about it openly. (laughs) I mean, this is a conversation about information anyways if it's right or wrong it's something we need to cover one thing that we do need to talk about is when you do a cash job a homeowner automatically does not have Warranty. Well, they don't have a warranty, but something worse can happen. I know people that have fallen off roofs, fall on the ground, and they're crippled, and they sue the home, the homeowner. And the homeowner hired someone to save a little bit of money, and it cost them millions, so many headaches and divorces, their home, and so many other things that are involved. Another thing is, if you're not insured, and you don't have WSIB, when your guys get hurt, or you hit a gas line, Homeowners are stuck on it, They're, so I just wanted to cover that. Yeah, yeah talking sure. about cash,
0: everybody does it. I don't have a problem with people doing cash there, as long as it's consistent from one year to the next. Okay,
1: you don't want to jump all of a sudden a one year to the next year.
0: No, you don't. No, you want to keep it within a reasonable range of, you know, let's say my rule of thumb is twenty to thirty thousand dollars. Maybe stretch it to forty thousand if you have to there, but just keep it within within a, a range from one year to the next. So you do fluctuate a little bit there, but it's in an acceptable limit there. When you just get too extreme, they're not just a, just screams audit me, please, please audit yes. me. You know, yes. you don't want to do
2: that. Another thing about cash, are you saying that it's okay to get cash, but claim it? Or are you saying it's okay to make cash and not claim it and still be in that fine line?
0: Well, you can take cash as long as you, you claim it. Okay. Uh, however much you claim is is totally up to the, the contractor and whatever their, their uh, tax uh, bracket is for that particular year. There. My policy is claim it. But uh, you can always have an extra expense or two come along that just somehow come out. Maybe you had to some equipment there that you didn't have to rent before, but now you had to because of a certain job there. That's,
1: that's okay, too. You're claiming it to the government, and they're perfectly fine with that, with you claiming cash portions of your income? Well, they can't prove otherwise. So are relying on the
0: individual to report all income.
1: So the money's coming in, you're taking the cash and you're putting it into the bank and then you're claiming it as an expense or something in your business. Yes. As long as you keep it into the twenty or $30,000 bracket, you don't fluctuate too much year to year. That's right, yeah. The government won't really raise a red flag and come after you?
0: Not really, not for income tax. So the HST is sort of a different matter. That's a different story. Yeah, HST, they're, they're, really, they're really strict. Again, keep your numbers consistent as much as you can. You don't want to take off like a claim of a huge refund if you can help it there because then they start asking for receipts. And when they start asking for receipts, you have to have a certain timeline, usually about 30 days to come up with receipts there. And uh, they want you to tally the receipts and send them in. And then they look over them all and say, this looks reasonable. This doesn't look reasonable. Uh, this doesn't look reasonable at all. And they might uh, deny your, uh, your tax credits.
2: Well, it's funny you say that. Two years ago... I have two vehicles. I actually had three. I just got rid of one. And in those two vehicles, they're both work vehicles. So one hauls my dump trailer and my garbage and like anything that I need for large materials that during the summer or something that wouldn't fit in my van. And then I have my van. So what I'm leading to is my accountant, uh, I give him my receipts for my fuel. I give him my mileage and, you know, I go on with my day and then... You know, a year or two later, CRA calls me back and says, or HST calls me back and says, well, we're not accepting these receipts. And I'm like, why? I gave you my receipts. And they're like, well, it doesn't look realistic that you actually use that fuel, even though the kilometers are there and it shows it. So we're not going to accept it. And then then they send penalties and those could be like five to 10,000. So what do you do in a situation like that? Well, don't forget, everything's subject to appeal.
0: So you can always appeal that on the basis that, well, I have two vehicles, two work vehicles. This is what I use them for. I use one for my dump trail, like you mentioned there. And I use another vehicle for doing, running around and getting yeah. small materials from uh, Home Depot or, or Lowe's there. And if one happens to be like a Q van, and you can say, okay, they take a picture of it and say, this is my Q van. And it just hauls all the big materials that I can't fit in my you know, uh, whatever vehicle you
2: have, your Ford F-150 there.
1: Honda Civic.
2: Honda Civic, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) That was the joke. (laughs) That's beginners. Um, So what I'm leading to is I actually ended up paying a penalty. I got charged with five accounts. Like uh, I had to go to court for five different parts of that bill. And I ended up having to pay for something that was true and real, and they did not accept it. So, what are the numbers that we can get away with? Can we talk about what can you write off, how much percentage of each one, like how much of your car can you write off, how much are your lease can you write off, and so on? Like what well, are I want to get into that. but
1: Matthew, if you can get into, is cash really worth it for us as contractors? Is it really worth in the long run, or is it just a necessary evil of the business? Well, it's a cost of doing
0: business. That's what it is. okay. Everybody does it. They're not going to totally stamp out cash jobs there. Everybody's going to do a cash job here or there. It's just a matter of claiming as much as you can that's going to be consistent with what you have from one year to the next.
1: Well that's the, but that's what and I it's I very, hard from, to, very hard to track. Yeah, that's know? what I learned from my accountant where I've been with him for a long, long time. He's just told me that do your books properly to the point where you don't want to raise any red flags, and then most of the time CRA will stay away from you. Yeah. They'll they'll pay attention to you, but they won't really come after you. And the last thing you want to do is an audit. But like you said, he's also told me the same thing that you can still get audited, yes. and then you gotta go through everything, and then it's their job to find something incorrect and it's your job to prove everything correct yes. so it's, it's a back and forth you don't have to panic as a result of it nope. you just have to go through the procedure of doing it that's correct yeah. and, and then like you said yeah you can appeal so it's not like that's the final word from the government and that's what they're after no do.
0: no you can appeal what they say let's call an administrative appeal but if it's a question of law then you have to go to the federal tax court and say no this is wrong interpretation and that require a, you know a tax lawyer to do that but that would cost Thousands of thousands of dollars too, yeah. to more legal
1: that. fee. Um, but well, hang on, a second before you go. So, Matthew, what's your background? Like, you 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 are offering financial solutions. So, Mrj, what do you exactly? What do you guys do? Okay, so we offer uh, bookkeeping, tax preparation,
0: uh, QuickBooks training, uh, and everything in between there from A to Z.
1: Perfect. All right, I just wanted to find out about that. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> and you know, getting back to what you were saying, and you know, Manny will always try to do one. Oh, Annie always does one hundred percent. the the right way, then you don't have any headaches in the long run. But even more important about not taking cash is that when you're accepting checks and you're not fumbling around with cash and checks and not claiming, you don't get into a whole bunch of lies and, and you get lost in your bills and so on. You create credit, which establishes to get more credit that's so right. that yeah. you can yeah. do bigger projects, yeah. potentially yeah. get into other other jobs. But it also really separates you from the guys that just do cash because the guys that do cash aren't as serious as the guys that do. When you're claiming, you're claiming WSIB, you're claiming HST, you're yes. claiming your yeah. taxes, and that's a lot harder to survive and be honest in this industry.
0: Oh, it is, it is, you know. But unfortunately, the bigger you go as far as sales go, revenue goes the more you're going to be on the radar screen. So once you hit the radar screen for the government there, then they go on and know, okay, where's your HST number? Where's your business number? Where's your WSIB number? Where's your insurance for your guys there? And all the other, everything else there. So when you get to that level on the radar screen, then you have to be honest. And that's why you know, the big guys have to be really, how do you call it? there really really gung-ho on all the paperwork there because they're on the radar screen. They're being looked at every which way. If they don't have it, well, come, the government can come in and, and literally shut them down overnight. And they can't afford that. Of course. They got a multi-million-dollar project. They can't afford to not have someone on site that doesn't have their WSIB or the clearance certificate there. You know, someone comes in, let's say, man, you come in, do you have this, this, and this, or you don't have it? Well, sorry, we can't let you on the site here because if we, do, if we let you on site here yep. and we get audited, that we're shut down, we can't afford that. So
1: I guess cash jobs are worth it in the beginning when you want to go on your own and get Correct. started yes. Yes. and you need to start building a clientele. That's right, yeah. You just do it smart, that's all. But do then you're eventually you're yeah. going to realize that you can't continue going that same route. You'll eventually, if you grow your business, you'll have to go the proper way of you'll doing it. You'll have no choice. You'll yeah. have
0: no choice, you know. And when you do business with the government there, it, it's like dating naked. David, Dahl, everything about you all up front, (laughs) I love it.
1: It's true. They're extremists. I love it. No, 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 it's true, right?
2: But talking about cash jobs and contractors beginning and why they have to use cash at the beginning of their career in construction, really important is when do we start claiming HST? What percentage or what amount of money do we... Like, I know that you don't have to claim HST to a certain percentage or a certain amount of money. What are those numbers and, and percentages?
0: Yeah, so you don't claim HST until you reach $30,000 in sales, okay? Well, so you get, you're not
1: uh, charging HST until you have produced— Well, you
0: almost reached 30, right? Yeah, when you reach, when you reach exactly $30,000, then that's when you have to register for an HST number. But you can register for an HST number even before that and get all your what they call input tax credits or— money that you spent to uh get that hst for
2: people that starting i I wanted to mention this because it's it's a loophole for beginners or people starting or people that have been in business for 20 years and restarting a new name and you know getting rid of a partner and so on i guess it's really important that when you do have your hst or if you don't you get to thirty thousand automatically your client needs to call you and say i've reached thirty thousand dollars Yes. I have not claimed HST, where do we go from here? So that's, where do we go from here? That's gross sales, right?
1: 30,
0: that's right, gross sales, you... that's right, yeah. Okay. Uh, they don't care about net because net is whatever you pay at the end of the day. When you reach $30,000 gross, then that's when you have to register for HST. And it could just be as simple as uh, going on the uh, Canada Revenue Agency. Website and signing up for an HST number, and it'll take a few days, but they'll give you an HST number. Yeah, and it's then really you're simple. Covered. Yeah, the yeah. website is well, simple.
1: It's actually funny enough, easy enough to navigate, and you get the number no problem. The number never changes for HST,
2: it's always 13%. Yes. How much can you write off, and what can you write off in your HST? Like, say, if I buy $10,000 worth of drywall a year and there's $3,000 of HST, I can write off that hst
1: completely well there would be one thousand three hundred dollars on that ten thousand right. dollar worth of but that's 100
2: <laughs> write off right that's right it is yeah, yeah.
1: um because that's an expense to your
2: income that but that's only if your customer or who you're subbing from pays you the hst if, if you don't collect hst then you don't put that on your invoice and you don't charge for it that's correct
0: yeah that's, that's right. right or be included in your sales there so whatever they pay you it's assumed that HST would be included in that. In that. Uh,
1: okay, but hang price. on a sec. Backtrack. So let's say we've got. Let's say we, for argument's sake, we've got a ten thousand dollars job. Okay. Cash. Yes. Now we've purchased one thousand dollars worth of drywall. We had to pay the hundred and thirty on it. We can claim the hundred and thirty of HST. Yes.
2: You got mm. what I'm saying? Yeah, but it, it just doesn't seem
1: right doing that. Well, because if you're not claiming income. the government's income, listening right now, it's not right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, but I know you're saying, Matthew, it's, yeah. it's technically not right, but you're small enough that the government won't, okay, let's go pick on this person. You're like a little mosquito. Yeah. But it,
2: mosquito. it'd be in your best interest that if you were that kind of person or you were trying to break into this industry and these are the steps you had to take for yourself and that was your decision yes you shouldn't claim that hst if you're not
1: paying that hst that way you don't get on that way you don't
2: get on the radar
1: uh no you can still you won't get on the radar because you'll be clean about everything right is that a fact that's a fact
2: yes okay yeah that's good to know
1: any of these contractors starting out, when sh- they're going to register a business? Yes. They'll do that to get a, a, a master business license, and then when should they be considering getting into incorporating that brand, that business of theirs?
0: Construction is an industry where litigation is very frequent. No, Ooh. I've never heard that, Matthew. <laughs> I, I have know no idea going what you're talking this about. Already, this is a great point. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, it makes sense from the get-go to incorporate yourself because that's a separate entity altogether. So when they sue you, Manny, you're saying, "Well, you can't sue me. You have to sue the corporation." So it's Manny Inc. And by the way, I don't have too many assets in the corporation. But you go ahead and sue anyway. So there's no point. You won't get
2: anything. That's
0: right. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Not unless you and 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 people that are listening, contractors or homeowners, really need to be careful. Whenever you're purchasing a line of credit or a visa. Never sign personally, because even though it's under a corporation or a limited company, yes. you are still 100 percent liable for it. And if you try to do bankruptcy or a proposal, you will not will not get away from it. You will have to No, do it your per- line of credit should be a
1: business line of credit. It your credit yes. card should be a business. But the most card. important
2: part is that you never sign personally for that. Usually the banks don't uh, release it. No, no, hang on a a sec. So,
1: Matthew, so if you're incorporated, you're the signing officer, so you can still sign for things that are happening with that company, but they can't come after you personally.
2: No, they cannot, no. Oh, is that a fact? So, if I wanted to get a business visa and I didn't want to sign personally, you could sign for me? But wouldn't that make you liable for... No, no, no,
1: you're signing because you're the signing officer of the incorporation. I know, but a lot of companies or banks will not release
2: that kind of credit line, unless you personally take the debt on, even though it's a business.
0: Well, that depends on, on the bank. Banks will always want to try and get
1: you to personally guarantee it. Well, you've got to attach some sort of equity to it, some sort of asset to it, right? To, right. That, to that line of credits, but there's, you're still a gamble there. That, so what
2: I'm leading to is, if you are a Corporation or a limited company, it's just best to build your credit up with the money that you have in your bank instead of putting anything under your own personal name and signing. Set up the two entities, like
1: you got to separate the two entities. So that's the primary reason why. So I guess they should incorporate right from the get go, right from the beginning,
0: right from the get go. It just makes life so much easier.
1: It doesn't Uh, cost that much. You can go online now, there's other websites, there's like an uh, owner. Like there's all kinds of sites that are connected to the government and then you just pay, they do a name search if you want, or you can do a number which right, is yeah, a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, what is it like six hundred dollars or something? Five, you can 600. You up
0: with six hundred dollars or as low as a few hundred dollars if you do it yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not really that hard and
1: then you're incorporated and now you're protected so if you you know have come across a bad client then you and they want to sue you then go ahead sue but you can't really get anything out of me right that's right yeah personally speaking that's right
2: yeah. well they can still take you to court personally and oh they try can do that to. yeah um but i do want to uh, while we're at this point right now i would like to separate the three levels sure. uh, a, a personal proprietorship limited incorporated what are the differences between the three if you can explain that to to the people okay
0: so uh proprietorship is simply that you just open up your own shingle here you're personally liable for everything that you buy every job that you do you're personally liable for it so any asset that you own house car dog cat (laughs) that's all uh, it's all uh on the table for for litigation there uh, when you're limited, that means you are, as far as my understanding goes, you're a limited liability corporation there. So you have a, a limited scope. That's what you're doing. Corporation is simply that you're incorporated. You're an incorporated company here.
1: Well, yeah, I guess there's three levels of how they can attach you personally to it. Yes. At a sole proprietorship, then you're, you're still connected to it. But a limited, you're not connected to it or you are. We know incorporated is not
2: It's not complete There's loopholes that they can get you and If you're limited A
1: corporation is completely disconnected That's a limited partnership I've never done a limit where I've gone from sole proprietorship Right to incorporation Yes, yes And then that's it So sole proprietorship I was unprotected And they can come after me that's Incorporated right, yeah. I'm protected And they can't come after me Personally speaking well, that's My
2: right. company is limited And I am protected And it will not come after me personally
1: What are the drawbacks? There then?
2: are loopholes But that will cost you a little bit more with lawyers, but you can get out of them. I still paid the same as a corporation. When I got it like 15, 20 years, 20 years ago, when I pay, I think I paid $1,500 for my lawyer to limit my company. Yes. And I think the corporation was like 2000. And at that point he just said you know don't worry about going corporate you're not big enough to worry about that just go limited it's the same thing basically but you're you're a small guy when you get to a certain point we'll get you corporate
1: that's That's for big big
2: numbers where you don't want to get involved personally at a personal level at
1: all but matthew you're saying to get incorporated for more the legal aspect because there's such litigation attached to this industry
0: that's correct yeah yeah
1: yeah
0: because it's it's, it it protects you personally so all your personal assets are protected. You know Why wouldn't you want to do that? Of you know? course. That makes a lot of sense, right? And whatever's in the corporations, in the corporation. So it could be a couple of vehicles, some equipment there. You out depreciation when you're looking at maybe a few thousand dollars in assets there. Maybe some cash in the bank. That's it. That's all you got. Let's yeah. talk
1: about these expenses. Let's talk about everything that contractors can deduct. I don't know how familiar you are with the different trades. But everybody's got their own set of tools and their own set of vehicles, and I guess if we get into the bigger trades like the, the hardscapers, the bricklayers, the concrete guys, you start talking about machinery at that point. Yep. What can we deduct and what can't we? Like, what's obviously? I, I know that they've changed recently the expenses regarding food and yes. drinking and basically socializing, state like sales meetings or something. Okay, so
0: those are what they call meals and entertainment. So they say, okay, you can write it off but
1: since you get some benefit out of it, we're gonna cut you off at 50%. So 50% of all your meals and entertainment. That's right. So you got a tradesperson, he That's goes to song lunch song. and he has a conversation with his boss or they're talking some business, 50% of that Big Mac can That's go, right. <laughs> all right, got That's it. Right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> no yeah. problem, I'm just trying For to. For sure.
0: Okay, so yeah. what else? Anything related to your business is tax deductible, any expense. A
1: photocopy, staples.
0: Staples, yeah, office supplies and your equipment, your car is uh, tax deductible there insurance basically anything for the running of your business is tax deductible
2: okay now this is something interesting because i have this i have this argument with people all the time i've chosen not to lease and go through switching cars i like being able to do whatever i want with my vehicle and not have a a penalty you know paying back damages of any kind on the vehicle or buying it out at the end when you're writing off a lease or purchasing a, a vehicle is it the same write off
0: about the same, really. Okay, at the end of the day, it's about the same. The leasing, you're limited to, uh, I believe it's uh, $600 a month, uh, including HST there. And with a the purchase of a vehicle there, you're limited to $30,000 plus HST. So you can have like a $90,000 vehicle, but they cut you off at $30,000 plus HST. So. A
1: leasing vehicle, you can only write off $600 worth of the payment on That's right. the lease. That's right. Yeah. The entirety of the lease program. And then with the new vehicle, if you purchase it, then you're only, you're capped out at $30,000? Correct, yes. So all these $80,000 F-150s out there with all the leather seats and all the bells and whistles, yeah, yeah. you can't write off that whole $80,000. No, you cannot,
0: no, you, you cannot as such. They recognize this for the get-go, probably a few court cases too. I say, well, we're going to bring in some rules here just to bring it down to earth here. So it's three thousand plus HST, so it's about thirty-three thousand nine hundred dollars.
2: I like to say something like right now. So I had a hundred twenty thousand dollar truck when I first got it. I never paid one hundred twenty; was worth one twenty. I got it for like fifty-five or something like that. Kept it for ten years, and in that ten years, it was completely paid off. But I still got to write off one hundred percent, almost like. I got the write-off, the repairs, the tires. It but actually I, it, ended up being, I got more of a write-off than I would have if I had a lease. Do you, do you agree with that? I, I agree with that, yes.
0: yes, Because it's, it's built into the, the lease payments there.
1: What about the machinery? The hardscapers, the bricklayers, what about that? Uh, that? That machinery is 100%, no? It's actually a tool of their business. It
0: is, and you can actually amortize that over the life of the business there.
1: Really? And then if I go in and I buy a drill, it's the same thing, 100%. That's- What else? I'm trying to think of what other... You
0: you can also... Another thing you could do is write off depreciation and have different rates of depreciation for different pieces of equipment. So some equipment is 15%. Computer equipment is like 30% because it depreciates much faster.
1: What about my Snickers workwear? (laughs) My workwear that I've got to wear. It's a uniform, I guess, is my... my I think you can only write that off in television. Because you're being, can you, can you, like, honestly, can you write off your workwear? The, th- the problem is that the Snickers are a very expensive pants. You're talking about $200 for a pair of pants. Are they going to be fine if I submit that bill into my expense as workwear for my trade?
0: Clothes are not tax deductible. Any um, of it.
1: That's only, right. Yeah. yeah. Only in television. <laughs> well, in television, I also know through television, you can write off your haircuts your facials, your manicures, wow. your pedicures. Yeah, you can. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Like I knew that from actors when I was speaking to actors back in the film days that they have to look a certain way. Yes, their yes. body, their face, their yes. attire everything, that's their product. That's yeah, right. Yes. So when they get in front of the camera, so you know, I would, So I guess if you've got a contractor who gets in front of a camera, you say, I know this loophole. Yeah, well, honestly, I'm going to talk <laughs> about it for a second. Yeah, I, go ahead. I was
2: in television for 15 years, and while I was on TV, people couldn't believe that I was writing these things off, but I had to buy certain things to keep myself looking cleaner uh, more often. Um, You know, I couldn't come to uh, to a TV show with like 50 blobs of mud on me and you know tons of paint (laughs) they they wanted me to look you know people want to see a certain image so you have to spend money on that so they give you a loophole plus you're helping the economy right so there's a loophole in television let
1: me ask you this matthew so we're in a digital age now we've got social media is really being strong on construction yes and and you found me through linkedin right so we got talking like that so i'm on a bunch of channels are we fair to say that that TV loophole, if someone is an influencer on social media and they're purchasing their workwear, their uniform, or they're purchasing t-shirt, t-shirts, company t-shirts, that could all be used for writing off? It's a good question, Manny. That's
0: a good I don't know. I don't know about I'm that just trying then. to think of that <laughs> loophole. But you know
2: what? You're right. It's entertainment you are using it You're for entertainment. in front of a camera. I don't re- see a reason why there shouldn't, but I guess that's another. It was, st- I guess it would depend on your classification.
0: If, if your profession is a classification that you are a, uh, a movie actor or a TV uh, news anchor, and if that was your classification, then yes, you could do that. But as a contractor, you can't do that. You know, uh, one, that,
1: that's why that I've actually registered two companies. So I've got a production company and I've got a construction company. Yes. So I've got the two entities. So what I end up doing is I take the workwear and whatever, all that other stuff, and I put it towards the production expenses. And yes. then I take my construction, you know, tools and everything, and I put it towards my construction experience. Right. Yes, yes. So that's how I divide, because I know that if you start putting the two and mixing it back and forth, CRA is going to be all over you. And that's why I don't do it that way, right? So but a lot of guys don't set up a production company. Which I think in the digital age today they should be considering doing that. If they get to it if to get a certain to a point, point, yeah. A certain point for sure. I wanna just so right now we're just halfway through here. So we wanna do the building code. Oh, wait a second. Building code talk. (laughs) (laughs) So we just chose a building code out of the book, out of the OBC, and we want to talk about showers because sometimes guys are just money down a drain. That's where it's at, right? But so uh, section 7.2.2.3 regarding subfloor shower receptors should conform to waterproofing, and that has to be the walls and the floors.
2: So what you're saying is if you have a shower fixture and it's water... I, know I was terrain. talking i was talking but i see this a lot i see a f- shower fixture on the inside of the washroom and then on the opposite side of that wall they have a plug so if it's waterproof it's okay to have that plug on the other side
1: yes you could do yeah. that as long yeah. as it's waterproof that's fine that's perfectly fine the other thing is there's a subsection too where maximum shower heads take a guess on maximum shower heads for one drain one two inch drain Wait, say that again? Maximum shower heads you're allowed in a shower with one drain. I would assume two. They say six. I'm surprised by it. They say six. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Is that a commercial level? No, this is residential, man. Who has six showers? Uh, oh, I guess you would power. That's right. You're you totally would right. Have it. You'd have yeah. three body sprays. You'd have a rain head. You'd yeah. have a hand shower. You could get to six, no problem, but I'm surprised by that. That's great right? to know, man. And then they're also saying the subsection three is that all floors must be sloped. I'll fight that one all the time because there's different ways of doing it, right? So you don't need to have, and they want quarter inch per foot, right? That's what That's
2: inside the shower pan. Correct. Yes.
1: Correct. Okay. So that was building gold. Wait, <laughs> building code doc. <laughs> so back, back to Matthew and talking some numbers here. I want to figure out what else can we write off? Like what other things can we, eat? so 50% on the food, you can't do your work where you're going to have to figure out if you're going to be an influencer to be in the camera and look in that possibility. Yes. But all your tools, all your machinery, all your carpenters, pencils, all your material. Correct. That's correct. Yes. Uh, all yes. your stationary material. That's and, right. Yes. And now, Home office percentage or space, a part of your home, if you're using it as an office.
0: Yes, that's right. So what you do is you take a
1: a portion of your uh,
0: home. It could be like a, it could be a den, it could be a bedroom. There, measure it, and that is the area for your home office. There, that area divided by the total area of your house above ground is the percentage that you're allowed to write off. What's it's the percentage? Around twenty-five percent, thirty percent.
2: That's, that's good a to a big know. Office. But that's an office. How about storage for tools and, yes. and your vehicle? Could yes. you write off your garage? I can't see why not. Well, because you're storing all your machinery there. Your, you know, yes, that's correct. The yes. most important tools is your vehicle, getting your right. stuff back and forth. Yes.
0: Yeah. But if you take up too much, if the home office takes up a, a significant part of your house, then when you sell that house, The government wants a little bit of money for
2: for capital gains. Jingle, jingle. Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yes, yes. So So as soon
1: as you sell your house and you've been declaring your home office space for your business, they want capital gain on that. If it's a significant part, if it's a significant portion. When you're saying 25%, is 25% a significant portion? It sounds Um, like it is.
0: It depends. It it can be a significant portion there of the house there. So that would mean you have to pay back 25% back to the government. Can I, there.
2: Can I ask you something that sure. if yes. I had a shipping container and I was renting out a spot or I was going to a storage facility and storing my tools there so separate from the house so that yes. way it wouldn't affect me as a personal gain yes would that be 100% right off? Oh yeah storage is, is
0: definitely a uh, 100% right off wow. yes because you have to store it somewhere and yeah. even
2: the cost of the container that's right yep that's good to know because the city is going this way now they're trying to do laneways with shipping containers and they p- potentially could be businesses in in
1: alleys right what are right. some of the things that you've had clients, Matthew, ask you to write off that you've just kind of laughed at?
0: I had a client try to write off a uh, exotic dancer on the head. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I like this for, guy for already. An, you know, an employee. Uh, or was it a woman?
0: <laughs> Summer was her name, I believe. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, I, I meant was
1: the client a woman?
0: <laughs> Unfortunately not. No, no. What was her
1: justification for that? I don't understand how that, how would you write that off? How would you consider to write that? There was a business meeting there?
0: it could have been a business meeting at a, a strip joint somewhere i love it
2: <laughs> i'm know? sure there are meetings talk there business.
0: you could talk through business there but the the dancer herself is she's not tax deductible that would be a, <laughs> personal <expense>. <laughs> <laughs> a personal expense A
2: personal expense i love it
1: <laughs> uh, you bring up mileage now can we benefit or from our mileage on these vehicles should we keep a log going because i know that a lot of people that work for other people and they drive their own personal vehicles they got to be compensated for wear and tear on their vehicle and mileage right yes yes so how does that work how should they how should you set that up
0: well basically it's it's very simple just take a sheet of paper even an excel spreadsheet start off with the date you started your beginning kilometers a, a the ending ending odometer reading number of kilometers and also where you went and that way, in case of audit, you could show to the government there, I went to Nathan Phillips Square here for, for business, and it was 50 kilometers both ways,
1: okay. each way. You know. And so guys should just get
2: used to doing this log. I want to say I do a log because I have a CVOR on both of my vehicles, and I write kilometers and mileage and the fuel I use typically when I sub from someone and I'm using my own vehicle I charge 43 cents a kilometer for wear and tear on my vehicle that's something I put in my stipulation if I'm subbing from someone like say I'm gonna work for Manny for six months and I know that and I'm gonna use my vehicle I'm gonna say in my contract 43 cents. But getting back to that, I had a big problem with my mileage and my gas. And I never, I never won, even though I had all the data, all the information, all the facts. Yes. yes. And I still never won against the government. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm just saying just it, for the people that are listening, it's a very ginger area. Uh, you, it, it can, it can be,
0: but yeah. when you, when you have, when you take them, you can actually say, okay, well, that's fine. I'll see you in federal tax court there, and they might say, "Well, wait a second here. Wait, wait. Well, it may not be worth our time to, you know, go to federal tax court over this. They might come with a better agreement there."
2: I tried. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. They screwed me. <laughs> oh, did they? Yeah, I got a penalty of ten thousand dollars. Had to pay the, the exact amount they wanted, and I never got to write off that HST part. You should have maybe went with Marianne instead of Ginger. Well, I changed. <laughs> I changed my accountants. Uh, that's another thing is that if you if you feel like something's not working for you. It's honestly time to like, just pack up and go somewhere else. Cause that's what happened to me. I really enjoyed the person. I thought they were a great accountant, but I found out that in the long run, sometimes it's good to move on. If you don't feel comfortable and you have your gut instinct.
0: I always say, go with your gut. That's the most important thing. Yeah. If the relationship's not working, just say, you know what? It's not working. Pay them for whatever work they've done so far. And then call out a
2: day. Golf games. Are they right off? Yes, they are. One hundred percent. 50%. 50% meals yeah. and entertainment. Yeah. how about if i take you target shooting at a gun range <laughs>
1: 50% 50% yeah yes! have to benefit <laughs> really Yeah. Huh? wow that's if fantastic if i go, uh, how am i going to go if i so anywhere that you, as long as you discuss business that's correct yes so, so just and take, just take the receipt make a note of the receipt that this was discussed and this is who i was just a couple points you know who was there and just a couple points and That's all they're looking for. In the event that you get audited, so then you can present this receipt going, yes, this is part of that amount of meals. Is there a cap on the amount of meals? Like, can I spend $30,000 in one year on meals and and, uh, entertainment? You can if you want. Yeah. There's no cap on it. No cap. Nope. Okay. So I have something interesting. It's going to be a little wacky.
2: Manny didn't know I was doing my private pilot's license. And so what we do (laughs) is we have this this cheeseburger run. So a lot of guys will (laughs) jump in the airplane with, you know, one or two guys, uh, typically two, and we'll fly to Buffalo and you'll have this gourmet cheeseburger in Buffalo at the airport and then fly back. Could I write
1: that off?
0: (laughs) Well, if you could prove it was a business expense, sure. You had a
1: business conversation (laughs) on the plane and while you got to the burger place, you had it there as well. Exactly,
0: yeah. If you could somehow prove that this was a regular part of your business there... Then that's okay.
2: And when you say prove, does that mean that I should have a journal just for my business to say what dates I took, who, uh, what oh, I yeah, did? Is, sure. is that part of the ammunition I need in court?
0: Everything helps. The more notes you have, the better off you are okay, to defend so yourself.
1: Just keep a journal of every, all your actions of what's going on in yeah, your business, right? So you can't just talk about it a year later and say, no,
2: no, no I did that. That's not going you're not going to win that way. No, no. Be as detailed as you can. The fresher you
0: do it, the better off you are.
2: I have a question about, you know, one of the things we talk about, we talk about guys that uh, work for themselves, guys that work under someone else. And then guys that are in unions, guys that work in unions have benefits and full pension plans. What can we look forward to being in business for ourselves to write off a pension or get a pension? And how do we write off benefits like dental and eyes and so on?
0: Okay, dental and eyes is a, is a medical expense. So you, you're, uh, if you're self-employed, you can certainly write that off as well. If you have a plan, then whatever the plan covers, generally they cover about 80%, and the rest is up to you. to pay or to come up to pay the rest of it, usually about 20%. Okay. So that 20% would go on your tax return there
2: that, as a medical expense there. What are we looking forward to being in business for ourselves with a pension? I know that with a union you can do a pension, but I understand as being self-employed you can't get a pension.
0: You can get a pension if you contribute to the Canada Pension, which is
2: not much. And Canadian pension would be CPP. Yes. Correct. Yes. But you can only max that out a certain percentage. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And that's based on your income. That's right. Yeah. So going back to Manny's point earlier on is if you do cash jobs, you won't be able to max that out, so that in the long run you can cash out. That's right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Canada
0: Pension, you're limited to I think to don't pay a whole lot a year. I think it's just under. It's about ninety five hundred dollars a year uh, Canada pension, so it's not really a whole lot that we're we're talking. It's not much of a
1: pension. I know, but better than nothing, right? Especially when you're in business for
2: yourself. True. Because when we're young, we we don't see these things and we don't worry about these things, and we always think we're going to be successful. But do we end up being successful? Do we save money? Do we you know invest
1: our money properly?
0: Well, it certainly would help to have an RSP or something like that to put aside money aside for. uh, like a pension fund of some sort.
1: Tax season and, and deadlines are when they
0: just announced that they're extended deadline because of this uh, what's going on situation in the we're world. having here. <laughs> June first, everyone has to June first to file.
1: Okay. Is it better to incorporate when you incorporate it, set up as a fiscal calendar year or just choose your own year? It doesn't matter.
0: It doesn't really matter. Uh, some people prefer the calendar year. Some people prefer June. It just depends.
1: It just I, I I've got the calendar year. It just makes it easy. The end of the year. The end of the year. One of my friends, he's uh, very good with money. And
2: one of the things he does is instead of paying the minimum requirement for his HST, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to keep your HST. You're supposed to put it in your bank account and not touch it. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people juggle that money. I'm one of those guys. I will juggle that money and I'm hoping I'm going to get it from the next job to cover it and put it back in the bank. One of my friends, he doesn't touch it at all. And what he does is he pays extra into it and he gets a better tax write off at the end of the year. Is that a fact or is he just blowing smoke up my ass? I I've don't never see a real that.
0: benefit to it, but I think if you put extra money into that, that fund there, it, what it does, it just covers you for any extras that you may not be aware of.
2: Okay, so that's, so that's, that's just it. kind of like a farce then?
0: Yeah, it's just topping up, just all it is. And okay. some people do that. Some people top up just to be on the safe side. You'd rather have too much in there and have a little bit of a cushion, okay? Oh my God, the bill was you know, $5,000 more than what I had or, or what I thought. But luckily, I put some extra money aside to cover that. How do you feel about RSPs? It depends. very know, personal, the situation I guess is, is different. They're nice for now to reach 71. After age 71, you have to collapse that into what's called a retirement income fund. And that money comes back into income.
1: So you, you get taxed on it.
0: That's right. Exactly. Exactly. You don't get to decide. The government tells you how much to take out. Wow. After age 71, say, okay, now you had $100,000 in... Uh, RSPs, and I want you to convert that to a RIF. And by the way, we want you to take out uh, about uh, 1500 per quarter.
2: I always tell everybody to invest into real estate. Is that a smart thing, especially with what's happening with the world right now?
0: Uh, real estate can be a, a good play if you're smart about it. If it's a house or a rental property, yeah, Triplex. it's, it's uh, you know, a smart move. Right now, I think uh, we're entering, I think, I, in my opinion, a, a, a bubble. Because right now, interest rates are really, really super cheap. And what happens if you're over leveraged and interest rates go up even a quarter a quarter percent that could push you know a lot of people over the edge Wow it could be on that like a lot of people could be on the bubble and that extra percent quarter percent increase could push them over the edge
1: I wanted to talk about what should guys the contractors out there what should they be doing every single year regarding their financial, their, their income, their, their taxes, the HST, they should just be diligent about doing all this stuff, right? So what can you enlighten us a little bit on what these guys should be aware of as they're doing it instead of just stacking up a pile of paper and then at the end of the year give it to you?
0: I have clients that come to me every year with a big pile of receipts there. I don't mind the first year. I'll let them get away. Okay, fine, new client, I'll take them on. But they say for next year, I want these receipts on, in envelopes. I want the expenses written on the envelopes and I want a running tally uh, at the end as well. So it's always better to do it uh, more regularly, or at least say once a month to sit down, get your books together there to see whether you're making money or losing money. Because when they come to me at tax time, I can't do anything for them, okay? Because too much work. Well, it's too much work, and I say, well, okay, that's fine, but I've got so much work to do, I can, I'll go through some of the receipts there, and whatever's left over is whatever's left over. If you owe, you owe. I, I can't help that. You brought up a
1: really good point. I mean, the idea is that if you, okay, so you're a bookkeeper and you're coming in on a monthly basis and I'm giving you all my receipts and I'm actually categorizing all the receipts saying here are all the expenses, meals, entertainment, yep. strippers, and then <laughs> fuel and all this other stuff. You can actually start to tell me, are we being profitable or not? Where are we losing? What are we expending too much? We can start educating ourselves on that, on our business. That's correct, yes, yes. Yeah.
0: And the, the more you do it, the more often you do it, the better off you are. The sooner. Because uh, you can keep it a close eye and things to say, oh my goodness, I spent a lot of money on that one project there. Where'd it go wrong? Oh, that's right. I had to buy extra drywall and oh. stuff like that. So for the next project, uh, I had to bid a little bit higher to take into account that extra drywall. Well, oh, factor like it sprint. in. Yeah. I
1: mean, like right now, everybody that's paying for regular gas is loving The 1990s price that we've got going on right now, loving it, right, loving it. But everybody who drives a diesel vehicle, we're being really like it's harsh. Diesel is almost thirty cents higher. You know what?
2: You're right. When I bought diesel, when I first bought diesel, it was because it was cheaper than everything else, and then they just jacked it up. Every year, I've always
1: paid attention to on a month by month. I pay attention to how much that fuel cost is, and you're right. It should be factored into your quoting, your pricing, because yes, and also figure out where is the job. That's because right. if you've got to commute an hour and a half for the day there and back, then you've got to calculate how much. That's where the logging comes in. That's where the fuel comes in. You start factoring in on a job. It's going to cost me X amount for fuel on this job alone for me to go there for five days a week yes. or maybe on a Saturday sometimes. So that's already starting to add up. So I need to factor that into my estimate.
0: And the better question is, is it really worth taking on that project?
1: That's a very good question. That's Ooh. really true.
2: And we've talked about that. Sometimes it's easier to walk away from a job that doesn't pay and get not paid at all and stay home yes. than go work for free. Your expectations of your customers, obviously you sit down with them and you tell them, you know, these, this is how I want you to come to me once a month. What if I'm like Manny and I have my Taco Bell bag and it's full of receipts <laughs> and I just <laughs> drop and there's cheese nachos all over it and burger meat? You're not going to like that. Are you charge extra for that? Yes, I
0: do. Yeah, because it takes, takes extra time to go through it to sort them out there. That's, that's because so I the idea
1: to. is that instead of having all the receipts on your dash, yes. every single day, collect those receipts. Have I and that's, I used to do that too. I used to have a series of envelopes, yes. and I would just pump them into each category, fuel, yes. meals, yep. whatever, material, all this other stuff, and per job. And then I would take all that, give it to the bookkeeper, and then here you go, and then start organizing it.
0: It's a lot better to do it that way because you know yourself – Uh, where that receipt came from, which job it was for that you can say at the end of the day, yeah, I've made a lot of money off that job though, or I lost my shirt in that one job there.
2: (laughs) Well, and another thing that is really important is that if you have your own personal business, this is the most important thing in your life. It's making you money. It's making you survive. It's making your world go round. If you need a receipt that's a year ago and you don't organize yourself properly, you can't do a return you know, you don't know what you paid for that job, or like you said, you lost out. Can you write off rentals? Of course. Machinery? Is it 100%? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. Instead of buying a tool, I could actually go rent a tool, not have the overhead, and then just charge my customer and I'll have 100% write off.
0: That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Again, it depends on the contractor, you know, is it, do I need this tool long-term or do I just need it just for one job? If it's just for one job, yeah, go ahead rent it. And then expense it. That's right. But you still you can still deduct it for sure. It's costing you money to you need that tool to complete the job there. Without it you can't complete the job. You know, That's if right. you need to, you know, rent a drill for a day to get something to go in there, then you have to rent it. But it's it's a business expense for sure.
2: Me and Manny have this theory that there is no set price in construction. It's always different for every client and every contractor. We use different tools, different materials. So there cannot be a set price when you have oranges and bananas. They don't make sense. What is a going price for an accountant to do bookkeeping for a contractor?
0: Well, that depends on whether they want me quarterly or or monthly.
2: What's the difference?
0: A quarterly means they're not that busy. They just need me to come in quarterly. They just give me the receipts every quarter. Just give me all the receipts there. And within a couple hours, it's all done. Because they're pretty small, small people there. So that would be about uh, $500 per per quarter there. That means I just come in there. I just take one afternoon and just crash everything. I do your taxes. I'll do your HST return there. Get you up to date. And that's what I do. But monthly, that would be about, depending on how busy you are, approximately $800 a month. And with wow. that, I would do your payroll. I would uh, also help you with your HST, produce a profit loss, do a balance sheet. Also trying to uh, get those numbers down to where you think they should be as far from a tax point of view.
2: Now you're throwing, I'm, I'm glad that you're throwing those kind of numbers at us. What's really important to know is that if you have a really small business, these numbers don't apply to that. If you're a smaller business or do they? It, it, fluctuates, it fluctuates how big your business it's is, a, yeah. if you're a beginner business and so on. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to scare people no, off because no, no, no. they need you. We all need you. Like, it's Thank very you. important.
1: Yeah. <laughs> was, that my,
2: was that my bum?
1: <laughs> That's two for Carlito in 2020. <laughs> my, phone phone rang. Off. my phone rang. <laughs> yeah.
0: but, but here's the thing, though. When you get to the bigger projects, okay? You have to show them something. You have to show them some sort of financials for the last two years. You have to show them some sort of insurance. You have to show them everything. Keep you organized, keep your WSIB up to date. You know, because if you don't have that, then you can't be on those uh, government contracts. But the nice thing about government contracts is governments pay. At the end of the day, they pay. They may
1: take 90 or 120, but yeah, they'll but pay. Yeah,
0: it's, that's right, they do. But at the end of the day, they do pay. But uh, it's a lot of requirements. It's a lot of work to jump through hoops there, but eventually they pay.
2: Well, I think the most important part that you're that we're trying to say here is keep up with your taxes. Don't let it go into two or three years. It's going to be nothing but no, a no, headache no. and hell. You,
1: you want to do this right. I don't know away. anybody who doesn't. I don't. <laughs> no, I But Manny, I, some I've people done my get taxes lost. every single Listen, year. Listen,
2: I've been in business thirty years. I hate it. And I will tell you, there's been few years where I was. I had partners. You have. They to didn't do want to claim at the same time I did, and we just said, "We'll do it tomorrow." We'll do it tomorrow. Two years. Three years and all of a sudden, you know, CRA's like, hey, we want our money. And there's a penalization now because you took so long not to pay your bills. I don't care if it's right or wrong. You're still going to pay a little bit extra now.
1: Do you have, Matthew, do you have some insight on uh, everybody that's in construction that we know... That goes on their own, they set up their business, they incorporate their brand, they're a one-man shop, two-man shop, they have a small maybe group of employees. They pump a lot of investment into the business, but they try to keep their own personal taxes down. They do that for a reason, right? Because they want to just try to save as much money as possible from the CRA. Yes. But then when it comes to them wanting to purchase a house or do something else on a personal level, they're being penalized because they don't have the credibility because they've pumped everything into the business. Is there a way that these guys can balance themselves from operating a business, but still keeping their personal looking good without paying a lot of personal income tax?
0: Some lenders will look at the income of the business there that you're doing and they say, okay, well this person, the business is making $200,000 a year. And they take a small salary of about $15,000, let's say, just to pay all the uh, income taxes, payroll taxes and whatever else they'd run for the house there. And they'll take a look at that and look at all angles. That's when you need a good mortgage broker to help you out with that, uh, that aspect there.
1: Okay. All right. So there is a way of doing it. You just got to kind of find a balance. There
0: is a balance there. And I would certainly talk to a mortgage broker they know more about it than I do. Of course. here. Yeah.
1: A mortgage broker. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, they're going to look at the lender's. They're gonna look at what's going on out there and then you because that's the biggest problem that a lot of these kids are. They you know, they're twenty five or whatever and they get into the business and they pump everything in their business. But then when it comes to their personal taxes, no, I only made six thousand dollars this year, right? So the bare minimum or something and then that's they right, only yeah. pay the bare minimum in taxes. But then when they want to go buy a house, they're having a problem. That's right. Like, well, you only make six
0: thousand dollars, so we don't see how you
1: can afford that. How can you afford a house, right? Exactly. How can you carry a two thousand dollar mortgage if you're only making six grand a year? Exactly. But you're yep. actually making more than that. That. That's right, yeah.
2: Got it. Uh, what about freezing bank accounts? Uh, I know a lot of people, the bank accounts have been frozen. Why does this happen and how do you get out of it? The taxman will freeze your bank account
0: over after a number of years. You haven't filed anything, you haven't paid them anything. And they say, well, this person, I had a client one time, he hasn't filed since uh, 2012 since you incorporated him. Shut down one of his bank accounts. So, no problem. He goes to bank number two, opens a bank account there. It's then, a year later, shuts down bank account number two, it goes to another one, another one, another, another one. So eventually they caught they caught his uh, his last bank account. It was a small credit union, small credit union. He had no choice but to sort of negotiate with them. And, uh, he had to pay them uh, a significant amount of money to sort of release that, and he had to agree that he would file some filings every quarter with the CRA, otherwise that whole would go back on his bank account there and to keep that other, off your case there keep. Keep your findings up stuff today. That's all could say.
1: Keep your findings well, up to date. What was the client's name? What, was Lee Snipes or what? What's going on here? Why? Why doesn't he want to pay taxes? I don't understand. He's going Darth since, Vader. <laughs> <laughs> he's like since 2012, and he's just going from pen. bank, bank to bank to, <laughs> bank to bank to bank, and That's then right, the, yeah. and then the government's just following him as he's opening up banks. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Wow, he just did not want to pay, huh? He did
0: not want to pay. No,
1: nope. I trust me. I I had a year one time, and this was hard. I had a year one time. It was actually a good year. I had to actually pay. Over twenty five thousand in HST. Like I had to pay that's it, it? dude. Wow. That was a you're lot writing to off a me. lot of nice stuff, wow. for them, man. I, that, that 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 check hurt, man. To write that check, I but I had to pay it. Yes, right. You yeah. have to pay this. That's how it works, right? So unfortunately, yes. <laughs> when do
2: you see red flags, and when do you feel that you need to assist or? Uh, tell your customer when they need to go bankrupt or do a proposal? I know you don't do those, but when when do you see in their paperwork that you need to do that? <laughs> well, depending
0: on their cash flow situation there, if they're running into a significant cash flow situation, I would suggest that they you know make a consumer proposal or maybe seek a bankruptcy trustee and come to some sort of agreement with your creditors uh, or maybe call them up and say, look, I'm a little bit behind this month. Can I pay you maybe just... 10% of the builder. And they're pretty good with that. As long as you communicate with them, they're pretty good with that.
2: Yeah. You know, the only reason I brought that up is because a lot of times they think accountants can take care of everything and they can't. No. no. And a lot no. of times when you're not paying your bills and you know maybe you meant the best and you really wanted to catch up and you've been juggling, these are the situations you get in. You still shouldn't be afraid to do a proposal or bankruptcy. Take in mind,
0: these bankruptcy trustees work for your creditors. OK, so maybe before you do that, maybe say, OK, what is the worst case scenario that can happen to me if, if I don't do this? Or what, what kind of deal can I sort of arrange with the, the trustee there to sort of make, a, make this life more pleasant?
1: <laughs> so do you think in this current climate that's going on right now with the whole corona We didn't really want to get into talking about that, but I'm already hearing some friends who are not in construction have small businesses, and they're just saying that if this continues much longer, they're going to have to fold up shop and declare bankruptcy, right? So do you see a lot of that happening in construction? Because that's our big dilemma now. Everybody's afraid to stop working. They don't want to stop working because they need the money. The moment that the government pulls the trigger and says, listen, it's a lockdown, man. You're going to have to go home and not make money and just isolate yourself. Hopefully not quarantine yourself, but isolate yourself. I can see a lot of guys bankrupt and like they have small businesses that they incorporated. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And they can't carry it now. And, And whatever reserve that they had is going to maybe cover them for the next month or so. I mean, I was talking to another builder today and he's like, listen, we're good for the next two months right? If nothing happens and we're not working, we're okay for the next two months. But then I'm hearing other guys, they're getting lines of credit. Just prepare for it just in case. So you do see a lot of these guys possibly going down that road.
0: I could probably see a lot of them. Yeah. Probably particularly this year. Yes. It's
1: really crazy. What's
2: happening. Like my next door neighbor has, you know, a four or $5 million house. it's, you know, I've always looked up to him. I see him very successful guy, you know, family cottage. And I, and I assume he's doing really well. The other day I was, uh, fixing something on my truck in the front in the front uh, driveway and you know i said hey how's it going you look great and he's like almost in tears and he's like this one week has just closed my business down i'm like man i thought you were like doing really well man like you know you got all your your it looks like you're doing really great in life yeah yeah and he's like No, man. One week in in a restaurant business can shut me right down. I went to a place to eat today and they had to close off a certain part of their store. And the owner knows me. I've been going to him for like, you know, almost 30 years. And he was like basically telling me that he's going to be shutting down like wow. another week of wow. this. And these are successful people, businesses for 40 years, mon yeah. pa, yeah. restaurants that yes. were very big, not small. Yes. And yes. you would think that they're doing so well, but their overheads so high. And you're yeah. right. It's that's
0: a scary right. time. Yeah. So yeah. that
1: takes us to it's green book time. Wait, it's that's, like, that's it's a, green book time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Carlito, what are we going to talk about at the green book time? So today we've chosen contractor
2: failing to establish written emergency procedures that means every company owner having any employees or any subcontractors on his site he has to have a tailboard meeting in the morning it has to show where the hospitals are at the emergency techniques like where's the fire extinguisher where's the eye wash and so on if you don't have that written down in a procedure and you don't have the guy sign off on that so it's under section 17-1 and that's a $550 fine the first time you're fined. Wow. So if you don't do any of those things on a job site, on a construction wow. site. So you have to have a piece of paper. If you come on my site, even if you're the homeowner, I have yes. to get you to sign and I have to explain to you. But what I do is I tell the guys where the water shutoff is. I show the guys where the emergency panel is or just the panel, the fuse panel. So that way people know where to shut it off. Those are all part of the emergency. That was Green Book Talk. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing this podcast far too long.
1: I was trying to do Schmigor, but it doesn't no, come no. out very well. <laughs> what, else, what else do you want to talk about, Matthew? What else have we not brought up yet?
0: Payroll. Payroll is uh, very important. There. You have to remit your remittances every month. And the government gets a little, little annoyed when you don't remit your, your payroll taxes, you know, like your CPP, your employment insurance, especially your income tax. They get really annoyed when you don't, when you don't submit that. And they get on your case if you don't, if you don't submit them on time. So you're supposed to do it every
1: them. month? That's correct, yeah.
2: I got a question. Where yes. does that money go? I mean, I know where CPP goes, but uh, I mean, they reinvest that and then they triple it and then they give us a couple pennies back on it. That's right, yeah. But where does all the rest of that money go? I believe it goes into general revenues.
0: And what, are they, what do we do with that? Whatever they want. So take your finger and just it up and whichever way the wind blows. <laughs> <laughs> whoever donated that's, the most to you can't pay that's in there that's
1: pretty much where it goes I agree man yeah, yeah.
2: do you think it's easy to, to do your own accounting or do you do you think they should. recommend your professional opinion to always get a licensed and insured well I would say accountant. get, a,
0: get a, certainly a bookkeeper because it'll help you keep track of all your expenses there if you have the time yeah go ahead do it yourself there it's not that hard but it's time consuming if you have the time to sit down every week for at least a couple hours to grind out your receipts, hey, go ahead, go ahead. But, uh, you know, hire a professional bookkeeper because that's what they do. That's all they do. And they have the time. They enjoy doing it. You know, I'm sure these uh, contractors have more important things to do than do their books every week there. But it has to be done. You know, you want a line of credit or a loan. So you have to produce financials. And also, why wouldn't you want to know how much in your bank account at the end of the day? Why That's wouldn't right. you want to know?
1: I wouldn't recommend that any contractor do their own taxes. I would hire somebody. Oh, I'm not saying that, but I just want to have the conversation anyways. I just think it's the same way that we justify that they should hire us instead of them do it as a DIY project. You hire a professional to do it. That's just my opinion. I'm not a tax person. I'm not a a bookkeeper. I'm not an accountant. I don't want to be. That's not my love. Right. So yes, I, know yes. I know you guys love paper. I, yes, we do. <laughs> I do not like paper. Right. So I hire somebody
2: to do that. So let's pretend that you're not an accountant. Okay. From a customer's point of view, what are the red flags for a bad accountant? What are the, some of the things that you've seen or heard from? Listen, I've had bad, I've yes, had yes. bad accountants, yes, and yes. then I've found a good accountant. You know, they hear all my stories. What are some of the stories about bad accountants and red flags to look for?
0: Uh, don't return phone calls. They want to do uh, like a, perhaps like an HST for, uh, return for you because you're too busy or something gets overlooked, just stuff like that. If it's not a good fit, just walk. Just pay them for the time, whatever they've done so far. Find out what the bill is. Okay, pay them. Get your receipts back get all your stuff back and go go somewhere else
1: what what are people charging these days to do incorporation taxes and then personal taxes what are they charging these days
0: incorporation Co- starts at about eight hundred dollars personal for just a simple t4 starts at about seventy dollars and, and up
1: seventy dollars what's what's h and r block doing i don't know what they're charging they're charging <laughs> they 110 110 for personal yeah. 100,
2: 90 to 110 with taxes in personal yeah
1: what are they doing for incorporated corporate
2: um that is it's uh, it's always different like whenever i've spoken to accountants or or them they they will accept but it's always at different levels of the business how much paperwork's coming in how much paper they're gonna how much they're late like you know if you have do you have yes. people working for you i do not no, no okay so some guys do and they have to put their guys on that and that's yes. hourly rates to that's going right. through yes. receipts like i said yep. Taco
1: Bell over here has cheese <laughs> all over his receipts.
2: <laughs> I, if
1: the, either one of us has cheese on their receipts. It's going to be you, and no, not me, man. Cheese. <laughs> I don't have cheese on my. I re- thought it was fighting. I haven't dirtied a receipt in years, man. And mind you, in the beginning, yeah, I had a lot of dirty receipts because I would just throw it in a bag. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a horrible uh, story
2: that happened to me. Uh, one time, I was running to the ministry to get a new sticker for my license plate. And Why I didn't was, you drive? Why did I drive there? (laughs) No, why didn't you drive? You were running. That's right. So I was driving (laughs) fast to the ministry to go to see my accountant. And on the way, I figured, you know what? I'm going to do two in one. I'm going to go into the ministry, get my new sticker, and I'm going to go to my accountant. Someone broke into my truck and stole $60,000 worth of receipts. Wow. Why did you have $60,000? Because I was going to the accountant. Oh. And who wants to carry their box? Like I put it in a box. My accountant always loved it in a box. I would go to like, you know, staples or something and i'd get a box and then Banker's I'd put box. all my receipts in there and we had a different kind of arrangement i was the kind of the garbage bag kind of guy i'd say here here's my christmas bag and uh, <laughs> yeah, take yeah. care of it buddy <laughs> yeah yeah but he for charged sure. me for it yes. he charged me for yeah, it for but sure. it was easier on me and i didn't have to worry about it right so someone stole all my paperwork i checked garbage bins i went hunting everywhere and i never found them and i had to pay top dollar on that Wow. Yeah. Horrible nightmare. That sucks. Guys, right? what I'm, what I'm leading to is don't leave your receipts in your truck. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Taco Bell after you drop it off. <laughs> Triple G's baby. <laughs> uh, is there anything else,
0: Matthew, that we want to talk about? Keep up to date with your filings there and just keep track of all your expenses there. And that's all there is.
2: You know what? I'd like to ask... Do you have any file folders or anything that you want your customers to give you? Like, like I said, I am mean, making jokes about garbage bags, but these are facts. Yes, right, you know, yeah, guys come yeah. in with Burger King bags full of receipts. Yes, uh, yes. Another guy will come in like that's myself funny. with a box it, full. It, it, guys actually do that. That's, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I'm not joking. What do you like? How do you like to see it? Like, what is the perfect customer that you have? Oh, well, the perfect customer
0: has all the receipts all added up on the, on the front of the envelopes there. So when I take a look at for the uh, taxes there, I can say that meals, Entertainment is $3,000. Okay, check, got that. And then I got the rest of the expenses all nicely written out there. And it just takes me no time at all to do the taxes there. And I don't mind, you know, cutting a little bit of a break for the, the client there because it doesn't take me as, quite as long.
2: If you could change one thing about contractors that you have as clients, what would you change about them?
0: I would say just uh, keep yourself organized. That's all there is That's two
1: in one <laughs> No, that's three <laughs> <laughs> No, I meant two on this podcast That's twice your phone went off, Sorry. man You need to silent that <laughs> I, I 100% agree with you, Matthew It's just uh, guys, everybody's great on building They're yes. very bad on building a business they just do not know how to stay organized and keep organized, and it's a rhythm. It's just it's like working out, man. The thing is that you have to do it. I tell people I used to do it month by month. I hated it because I would spend an entire weekend. I hated that weekend at the end of the month to actually organize all my receipts. Then I switched it over to doing it once a week. That made it a lot easier. Then I switched it over to you do it. I just leave it with you, and you take care of it. Then yes, at that that's point, right? right. right. So yeah.
2: my accountant always tells me to, you know, he'll he'll look over my papers. And as he gets to know me over a few years, he starts to kind of tell me to invest in and do things with my money. What's a typical thing you always offer a client to want to do. That's a smart thing for, for their, their future.
0: Put money aside for your, for retirement there.
2: That's and what, what percentage is that?
0: It could be any, 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 any percentage, whatever you can live with, you know, whether it's uh, $50 a month or a hundred dollars a month that you can, Live with, you know, or live without, you know. Just take it, whatever you get, and just throw it into a separate bank account, or give it to your financial advisor to invest in whatever it is that they want to invest in for you. There,
1: that's interesting you say it that way because I would actually, yeah, I would say whatever you can live without now, so then you can
2: live with later. How much does it help you to in? I wouldn't say invest, but if you wanted to give it to a charity, how much does that help you in your taxes?
0: It helps. It helps a little bit there. It depends if you're a first-time donor, then you get the super donor credit for uh, donating to the charity there.
2: And what is that a certain percentage of your income, or how, how does uh, that work? Over,
0: over $200, you get uh, the super donor credit there. And I'm not sure how much that is this year there, but you get a, a special amount if you're a first-time donor. Incentive for for donating
2: That's fantastic
1: Thank you very much Matthew We really appreciate you coming in And uh, speaking to us And and enlightening us on cash Income tax HST Incorporation Sole proprietorship All that stuff Because this is all stuff That all these young guys And we went through it 30 years Are still going through it Uh, We have to go through it So this is uh, So basically what we're saying is Start as illegitimate as you want, <laughs> then oh. become as legal as you want eventually down the road. And That's I can a- tell that hurts Manny. Manny <laughs> hates cash jobs. Because I started
2: I never I've never done a cash job. Well, let, listen, cash jobs hurt contractors that work really hard. Yeah, so. Um it's harder to sell a it's harder to sell a project to a homeowner with WSIB, 13% HST with insurance and overhead. I need that HST to come in. Hey, I'll give you
1: a $12,000 cash job. No. No. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Thank you very much, Matthew. We got to get out of here. Oh, yeah. All right. Thanks very much, Matthew. We really appreciate it. Sharing this information with our listeners. And tune into the next podcast when we have it.
2: That's a 416, baby. Yeah, construction (laughs) life. T.O., baby.